you know, I was able to walk away from relevant, you know, not really putting it on God or not really being bitter about the experience. And I'm not even bitter now, you know, I obviously still feel the emotion of like being wronged and like being annoyed. I mean, Cameron Strang in Relevant distributed a public statement apology today and I have yet to hear from Cameron Strang personally, you know? So, so I'm annoyed certainly at like the fact that my name was published in this public. Yeah. That it was published in this public apology, but I'm like, you know, God's still doing what he does. And I'm glad we were able to take this, you know, and as far as we did and that we were able to cast light on it, but I can't help but have the sense that if it weren't for those darn kids on Twitter, Cameron would have gotten away with all of it, you know? I think you're right. (laughs) Hey everyone, this is Thanks Be To Pod. My name's Nate. If my voice sounds a little off today, a little hoarse or raspy or lower than usual, uh, maybe that's good for podcasts. I don't know, but I'm sick. Uh, But the story, we wanted to get it out to you because it matters. If you haven't been paying attention to the news recently, Relevant Magazine has been in the news. And, okay, if you don't know what Relevant Magazine is, uh, let me just give you the Sparknotes version. Essentially, they are a Christian magazine that focuses primarily on writing about the intersection between Christianity and culture. Uh, They feature both secular and religious voices. So, for example, Malcolm Gladwell is on the cover of their latest issue, but in the pages of that issue, of that very same issue, you'll find David Platt, a conservative evangelical preacher. How those voices can exist in the same space is a whole other issue, a whole other podcast. But suffice it to say that Relevant Magazine is an entirely ambiguous organization. Who they are and what they stand for, it's really hard to know. Recently, I was scrolling through their Instagram and I saw that Relevant had posted a quote from Rachel Held Evans shortly after her death. Rachel Held Evans and David Platt are on two very different planes. The type of Christianity that Rachel advocated is not the type of Christianity that David Platt advocates for today. Yet Relevant Magazine features or wants to feature both of them. And I think that says a ton about Relevant. To appeal to the widest possible millennial Christian audience, they will feature any voice that gives them a reader. So it's hard to know just scrolling through their website where they stand on any issue, and yet they want to have their hands in all of them. A few days ago, one of their managing editors, or former managing editors, Andre Henry, published a post on Medium in which he called out the magazine for breeding a toxic culture, one that is racially insensitive and marginalizes the voices of people of color. As Andre points out in his blog post, and this is so true, this issue doesn't stop with relevant. Relevant is only a part of a much larger problem. In Andre's own words, he writes, I've come to accept that many youngish white evangelical leaders with large platforms, be they podcasts, megachurches, media organizations, conferences, or even social justice campaigns, are simply not committed to being anti-racist, but only in appearing non-racist, and they're using people of color as props for the show. He continues in the same blog posts, white evangelical organizations, including megachurches, suffer from the same unity fetish as the rest of America. They often employ centrist rhetoric about the alleged virtues of playing in the middle. 
That's Relevant Magazine, playing in the middle, wanting to appeal to the largest possible audience while talking to the issue of the day that young people care about. Ambiguity, though, is rarely helpful. So Andre's post caught fire, and subsequently a trove of other people came forward to share their own negative experiences with Relevant and other evangelical organizations. One of the voices that came forward was Rebecca Marie Jo, who, before Andre, was the managing editor for Relevant. Rebecca wrote her own blog, recounting her own experience with the magazine, corroborating Andre's story. She wrote that she, too, witnessed a racially insensitive and toxic culture, which existed in large part because of the leadership of Relevance founder Cameron Strang. Andre and Rebecca's narrative, along with a sea of other voices, sent Twitter into a frenzy. Changes were demanded, and this forced Relevant Magazine to issue a public apology and for their founder, Cameron Strang, to take a leave of absence from the company. In the midst of this frenzy, Rebecca Marie Jo agreed to chat with me to recount her narrative for the podcast, because the spoken word is a powerful medium. So I go by Rebecca Marie Jo. That's what I write by. Um, you know, it's shorthand is RJ, but either one is fine. So something to know, Relevant wasn't Rebecca's first experience working for a media company. I have been an editorial professional for... Ooh, uh, seven years now, eight years now. Um, I began in the nonprofit industry working in Central Florida with a foster care organization, helping their um, marketing and helping them. Uh, Rebecca worked in the nonprofit world in Florida for a while, but then at 20 years old, she decides to do something that honestly, I think I've only ever seen in the movies. At 20 years old, I moved to New York City with a suitcase and <laughs> no job, no apartment. Um, I didn't, you know, think much of it at the time. And now I'm like, that was insane. Um, but I just kind of. Cracked. Rebecca took this job working for a nonprofit in New York City. She was working as their corporate relations coordinator. And she was responsible for building relationships with uh, companies like AOL, Huffington Post, Facebook. And this work was meaningful. She did important things like building internship opportunities for um, educationally disconnected and disenfranchised young adults. So people that were 18 to 24 and didn't have a bachelor's degree, but needed professional opportunities, we would make sure that they would get the skills they needed to uh, to be able to enter into these spaces. It was working in the nonprofit world when Rebecca realized that what she loved the most about her job was. What I loved about my work was the communications aspect. I loved being online. Um, I loved uh, how the internet is such a unique source for these conversations and and, uh, uh, challenging the status quo. So I knew I wanted to get into media and that's when I went on to work for this company called Odyssey. So Rebecca took this new opportunity elsewhere at this little startup that was trying to be the next Buzzfeed. I mean, which is a pretty lofty goal, but come on, it's not impossible, especially thanks to the influence of social media. 2015, 2016 that I joined them and it was like right before everything came out about like Facebook's unethical practices around media and content. And um, it was really before the media bubble burst. So 
We were sharing all of our articles on Facebook and, and directing all our content creators to share them on Facebook. And it was one Facebook was a central source for publication uh, content distribution. Rebecca says that the work environment at Odyssey was pretty good. And she had some cool opportunities there. At Odyssey, I had an, I had really great leadership. They didn't manage their capital very well, so they didn't go very far But in that respect. But they really equipped me to kind of just use my giftings, use my talents, thrive. I remember a conversation I have with, had with the chief marketing officer where I told her I wanted to help her out with her monthly lunch and learn events where she would invite professionals from the media community to speak to our staff and she looked at me and she's like you take it like here you have it like you run it okay I'm gonna go do other things and she really just gave it to me handed it off and never looked back once the allegations against Facebook mishandling its users data became public then Odyssey's hopes for becoming the next BuzzFeed quickly faded away Facebook essentially buried publications in the algorithm uh, in preference for, for for organic content from your family and friends. After it became clear that Odyssey was not going to be the next BuzzFeed, and after a while of living in the hustle and bustle of New York, dealing with broken subways and the hordes of people that are all looking to get somewhere faster than you, Rebecca decided that she needed a break and she needed a new opportunity. So she rented a storage locker in New York City, put all of her belongings in it, and went on what she thought was going to be a brief hiatus to Central Florida to stay with a friend. Literally crash on a couch to just relax and get refreshed for a few weeks. A few weeks vacation. That's what she thought. And then she would start applying to jobs in New York City, LA, wherever she could pursue a new opportunity to do the work that she loved. But while in Central Florida, she decided to entertain the possibility of working for a media company that she had known since high school and that from her perspective and the perspective of many other young Christians was doing some pretty cool work, talking about edgy and progressive issues in a relevant, yeah, I know it's really hard not to use a pun here, way. Before we get into Rebecca's time at Relevant, here's something that you need to know. Um, I had just you know, returned to my faith right before Relevant. I kind of had, yeah, I had five, I, I grew up in the church, had five years in, or three years in New York where I didn't go to church or kind of was like, maybe it was just youthful emotionalism and just completely put it on the back burner. Didn't, it, I wouldn't say that I walked away from the church, but my spirituality and my connection with Christ certainly atrophied because I wasn't, maintaining it i wasn't sustaining any connection to to christians or, or spiritual practices it was with this renewed sense of faith at home in central florida on what she thought was a vacation that rebecca was presented with the opportunity to work for relevant magazine i mean how could she honestly pass that up she could do what she loved in a place that she thought was tackling these huge issues that she, as a young Christian, was interested in. Came to Relevant um, as a Christian and was very excited as a as a re-energized, recommitted, impassioned Christian, <laughs> and and I was really excited because um, you know I also saw what Relevant presented, which was this this very cool, progressive 
you know, pushing the boundaries publication. And, and I was like, all right, this is a place for me. I'm ready to live in the tension of these conversations that are super important, especially during the 2016 election. So like Rebecca, I knew of Relevant when I was in high school. As a young Christian, the magazine appealed to me for many of the same reasons that it appealed to her. You know, if we're talking about the Christian media media bubble, Relevant is, is definitely on the fringes in the sense that they they feature they they cover secular musicians and they cover secular movies and um they cover secular voices i mean when i was there we interviewed or i did not interview but we featured um martin scorsese and we featured um this american life's ira glass Glass. (laughs) yeah the infamous ira glass and um So, you know, so Relevant is in a very unique position where they have access to all of these. So Rebecca takes the job with Relevant and she's super excited. On paper, it's a great opportunity, but things quickly began to deteriorate. The best, like, I mean, the most accurate thing I could say about the situation with Cameron was that he he plays nice when he wants to, when he's supposed to. And like, I definitely don't want this interview to become like a disparaging uh, Cameron podcast and and yeah, and 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 in and in large parts, I feel like I said everything I need to on the internet, you know, in my blog posts and and in my and my tweets, and but 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 I'm getting to that. So my experience at Relevant, um, it it wasn't positive. I was there for seven months, September to March, so October, November, December, January, yes, six seven months, and I, um. I did my best, but you know, it became increasingly clear that Cameron had this anxiety about him that would make him be really intense and afraid that people wouldn't read what we were publishing. And so that intensity would come out in like editorial meetings or if we would pitch something that he didn't agree with, he would just kind of like, just humiliate the person that pitched it and just be like, why are you even like, why is that even a consideration? Like that's like, he would just make, I don't know if he ever said like, that's a dumb idea, but he would certainly make you feel like you were uncool and you were stupid. And like, why would you even pitch such a thing? And like, I think, you know, the interesting thing about his personality is that he's not outright with his, you know, it's all microaggressions. It's all like, um, it's all very nuanced like chipping away at your talents and making you doubt your capacity to succeed in that role until you're kind of like whittled down to 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 the most raw version of your professional self and and then you do start kind of believing his toxicity like maybe i can't do this maybe i do suck at this maybe i'm not meant to succeed or excel in this position because I'm not qualified. And um, and so, yeah. Rebecca call- recalls this one time in which her and her editorial team were trying to come up with a way to feature a Christian rapper who had come under scrutiny from white evangelicals because he had come out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And Rebecca describes this meeting and the reaction of Cameron Strang. And honestly... It's horrifying. We were discussing like, you know, a black Christian rapper and how a white evangelical America had basically ostracized him for speaking up for the Black Lives Matter movement. 
And we wanted to build framework around that discussion and to, to present his challenge in that. And Cameron's um, unique idea for that was to feature him in the pages of our magazine with a noose around his neck. And I, I heard it and I was just like, we can't do that. Like, <laughs> like I was just like, that's not like, no, like in, in no universe am I gonna approach his camp with this concept like, hey, what if we just like, you know, put a noose around your neck while you're like in the office and we're taking photos of you or whatever. And Cameron doubled down and he like picked up, like, you know, picked up a, an old magazine and a relevant magazine. He was like, no, 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 imagine like people are flipping through the magazine and then they're like, whoa, you know, they see this person and they're like, what is this about? And I tell, and I try to explain to him, listen, people are not going to see this and say, whoa, like, you know, they're, they're just not like there, there are videos of uh, really graphic videos on the internet of, of people dealing with brutality and all sorts of, you know, like this isn't, we don't, we don't need to do this. And this isn't going to have the effect that you think it will have. In fact, if I'm a person of color flipping through your magazine, I'm going to be like, this is disturbing. Like, why did they ever, you know, go this direction? And I'm going to feel alienated and ostracized. Like, if I were a person of color consuming your content, this would not be okay. And I am a person, and quick aside, I didn't say this to him, but I am a person of color. I am a first generation American. I am, you know, Latina. And honestly, like, what's funny about me saying that in this podcast is that I don't even move through the world in that sense. I'm not like, I'm just Rebecca. I don't necessarily, you know, I definitely have exposure to certain, um, to certain racial insensitivities. And I'm sensitive to, to a lot of struggles that, you know, my African American peers and Asian American and Native American and transgender peers face. Like, I'm very sensitive to those things, but I don't necessarily consider myself a champion of like Latino issues or I, I realized that at Relevant, I was much more tokenized than I even see myself. And we'll get to that. But, but I say this and I'm like, Hey, this isn't like just across the board. This isn't a good idea. And I thought he would say like, Hey, you're the only you know, brown person in this room, maybe, you know, <laughs> and, and that never happened. He was just kind of annoyed with me. And I realized at that moment, like Cameron needs yes men around him. And I am so clearly not that, that it's going to get me in trouble. And that's kind of the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> so it was our willingness to contradict Cameron that ultimately cost Rebecca her job. And she's really adamant about this. She didn't leave Relevant holding a grudge after she was fired. Uh, she would talk about her experience if she was asked, but she didn't dwell on it, nor did she try to draw attention to it. But then last week happened. Someone texted me Andre's account of his role as managing editor and as a black man, you know, the, the second person of color at Relevant. And that's when I was like, Oh no, like, no, like this can't have happened again. Like seriously, the person right after me, like, are you kidding? And, um, I wrote that 
blog post corroborating his account of Cameron's behavior because I was like, enough, like this is enough. And I really did not expect it to go as far as it did. A sea of other voices have since joined Rebecca and Andre and their stories have been corroborated. And in hindsight, what Rebecca sees now is that now I realize in hindsight that Cameron saw me as a token. Like I realize now that part of my hire was like, oh, I'm hiring this cool New York Latina. And um, one interesting thing that came up from going uh, public with these experience was that job, Josh Loveless, an editor from, I think like 2009, you, you'll have to fact check that, but he was a previous editor at Relevant. He said they were instructed, his tweet, which is still up, says that they were instructed to write under female or ethnic sounding names when they had written too many articles to give the impression that Relevant had a ro robust and diverse staff. In Rebecca's own words, it just gets worse. I mean, the story is gut-wrenching. It's awful. And I guess one of the big questions is, can Relevant even move forward from this? And, and do they even deserve to? I hope you quote this when you share your podcast, but um, there was a someone who tweeted who had unsubscribed from the magazine and actually received that response from um, a customer service personnel saying that these accounts were untrue and that's all in my timeline if anyone wants to see the receipts. But um, they said, I'm no longer interested in funding Cameron Strang's vanity project. And I think that that is a very apt... Uh, yeah, just a very apt summary of what Relevant has become over the years or what it is under Cameron Strang's, you know, chokehold leadership. And I do believe it can be salvaged. I think it can be salvaged if he hires leaders that are talented at what they do and 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 passionate about, um, you know, revealing what God is doing throughout the world as Andre and I were, and then he lets them do what they go there to do. You know, if he just gives freedom to the smart, talented, professional people he hires to be able to accomplish the things he's hired them for, then I think Relevant can thrive. And I think it, it can actually live up to everything it says it is in its mission statement. But until then, it's all hot air and the praxis doesn't match the mission statement so we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more of rebecca's story hey it's colby here and i am over here in nashville working on the next episode of thanks be to pod but wanted to stop in and say hello and tell you about a couple of ways you can be supporting our show Right now, we're still pretty early on on iTunes, which means that reviews are still highly influential to the publicity we get through Apple. So if you have a minute or two after you finish the episode or even while you're listening, hop onto your Apple podcast app and write us a quick five-star review. Also, right now we're getting ready to put up a couple more unedited interviews on Patreon. I always hear the Patreon ads on other podcasts that I listen to and I would think, why do I need the unedited content when I'm already hearing the main episode? You're pulling out the best parts. Well, now that I'm a part 
of working on these episodes, I realize how important and fun the unedited content is. I can safely say that you are missing out if you're not listening to these full interviews. There's funny moments, there's embarrassing moments, and really important things are said that we just can't find room for in our episodes. So if you're interested, for just $1 a month, you can join our Patreon community and have access to unedited interviews. You'll get the chance to join our first Google Hangout session in the coming month and join our patron-only chat room as well. So hop on over to patreon.com slash thanks be to pod for more information. Okay, let's step back for a minute here and make an observation. This podcast is about finding Christian community. So I asked Rebecca, what would an ideal Christian community look like? If relevant isn't the ideal Christian community, what is it? Um, for that Christian community to not be afraid of of the diversity and the beauty that God has placed on this earth and um, and just allow people who know the Lord to flourish in whatever way that they will in their own personhood. Like you don't have to police that. And I think the biggest issue at Relevant was that Cameron Strang policed this um, this definition of what a millennial Christian cared about or what they were or what issues that they would find quote unquote relevant. And I think that there is a lot of beauty that is left ignored and overlooked. If you are so concerned with policing, what is the right way to, to, to allow that to God's personhood to be expressed in the world through the diversity of millennials, right? We're talking about every type of millennial, married millennials, single millennials, trans millennials, like, uh, you know, gay millennials, people who have come back to the church like I did after a five-year or three to five-year, you know, absence. You're, you really need to give space to God to work in that. And I think that the church as a whole does a really huge disservice by choking out those voices because God loves them. Like that's the bottom line. Like God loves those people that he loves those voices and he gave those people those voices. So it really pains me to see them excluded from the church or from platforms like relevant because they're told that they're wrong. Okay. Let me lay my cards on the table. I'm not sure that relevant ever intended to create the sort of Christian community that Rebecca is describing here. I mean, let's circle back to the point that Andre Henry made in his blog post. Like many evangelical churches and companies, Relevant pretends that it is this bastion of inclusivity. It wants to appear anti-racist and open, inclusive. But it's a facade. Relevant magazine panders to the interests of millennials, writes about issues that we care about, that we will click when we are scrolling through Facebook. And at the same time, it props up pastors who in 2019 still think that women don't belong in the pulpit. It props up pastors who are blatantly homophobic. This is not an inclusive magazine. It never was. It's a magazine that disguises its conservative evangelicalism behind a cool Instagram feed. So like I said at the top of the show, Rebecca's blog post, Andre's blog post, forced Relevant Magazine to take action. 
Cameron Strang is supposedly on a leave of absence and the magazine has since issued a formal apology to both Rebecca and Andre. You may be wondering, what does Rebecca think about the actions that Relevant is taking? Very interesting that I was named in this public statement, yet there was no effort to reconcile with me personally. And, and that's, and the last time Cameron Strang fired me or spoke with me was when he fired me using a 500 word email, um, in 2017. So, you know, like, it feels like there should be an update. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like there should be a follow-up. I don't know. That's just me. I feel like I would follow up with someone, but whatever. I, I think I think that Jesus would follow up with someone. Right? How, I mean, I would hope. Yeah, yeah, I would hope. I would hope so, too. I, I, you know, I think that that's ultimately what this comes down to is a culture that doesn't fit with what it says it is. Um, right. And I mean, there's there's interesting points about his statement, too, where, you know, he's like, or he's like, pray for my staff. You know, that we're a small staff. There's only 11 with us. And I'm like, are you asking people to hope they 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 stay afloat without your like toxicity at the home? Like I'm like that's kind of weird, you know. Like if you're the source of this toxicity, wouldn't it be just fine if you're not there? Like <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Who yeah. am I to say? Who am I to say? <laughs> but, well, I mean, you have an experience, and uh, your experience. I, I yeah, I guess your experience. I guess you are someone to say because your experience isn't. It's not in a vacuum. True. Um, Thank you. But, yes, but a, I'm being very candid yeah. in this conversation. And like the <laughs> the the other thing I will say is that um, when I published that blog post supporting Andre Henry, and I said this to staff that reached out at Relevant, not Cameron, but other staff that reached out, mm. um, you know, they said, "Hey, I want to apologize personally, and um, if you want to talk about anything I did." Uh, I, I will, I want to be humble and teachable. And my response Mm -hmm. was, well, you know, this, you don't owe me an apology like Cameron Strang does. And, and this isn't directed towards you. Um, but when I wrote that blog post, truly, I was just trying to corroborate my brother, Andre Henry's account of things. I just felt like he was standing on his own and I wanted to stand with him. That's really my intention. And when people were asking me, where do you see this going? I was like, I'm not here to bury a publication or bury a person. I just wanted to bear witness, period. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I really love that because I mean, it's, that is a testament to care and to solidarity. Yeah. And that's cool. And can I tell you, I honestly would never have imagined that after that choice that a dozen people would come forward with their own stories. I mean, yeah, I knew Dargan's name. I knew Josh Loveless's name. I knew Stephanie Smith's name. I knew these people's names from, you know, from relevant and, and, you know, I, I never worked with them personally, but, but I had heard their names like spoken throughout the office and et cetera, et cetera. And they came forward and they said, yep, like I experienced X, Y, Z, and this is all true. 
And I never would have foreseen that. So I'm really eternal, eternally grateful for that because I think that Relevant would have just tried to discredit Andre and I, but... They couldn't. Not with a sea of other voices out there corroborating Andre and Rebecca's stories. Perhaps the last question that we should ask on today's episode is, where do we go from here? Relevant? We can move past this. We don't need Relevant Magazine. If you are a young millennial who is progressive, who thinks that people are created in the image of God, no matter who they are, no matter their sexual orientation or the color of their skin, we can produce something. Something with just as cool of an Instagram feed. We can produce a community that feels fresh and vibrant, but that's also inclusive and progressive. We can produce a community that takes seriously questions about equality and justice, not because it wants to appear relevant, but because those issues matter. I think people want that type of community. Oh man, absolutely. I mean, that's a word in and of itself. And I think that has been the most beautiful part about this whole experience for me personally is that like, number one, as I told you, I did not expect to get, you know, this much traction on that blog post as it did. I just wanted to back up Andre and then kind of move on with it. And then it totally consumed my weekend in terms of like, you know, people responding, messaging their own stories, you know, with their experience at Relevant and with Cameron. I mean, I had someone talk to me about how, you know, their husband working at Relevant, like really created issues in their marriage. And, and like, you know, they went into great detail about that in my messages. Like, um, it was just a response unlike anything I ever imagined. And um, what it really showed me in terms of like the people that came out to support and add their stories and contribute, um, you know, their experiences under toxic leadership in the church, it showed me that people are so ready for a community where they can breathe and expand into who God created them to be and not be afraid of this type of manipulation or toxicity or backlash for being who they are. And just like you, I'm so ready for that, for that space and to cultivate that space. And honestly, I am thankful to have spoken up because it connected me to so many people that, that want the desire the same thing. So I'm really excited about that. This is cool. And that's why I, and that's why I did this podcast. That's why I took your invitation (laughs) (laughs) because I want to connect with more people that, that want that. And and appreciate it it exists there is a world outside of relevant magazine and it exists yes and it's so big and it's so beautiful and yes (laughs) okay so that's it that's the end of our episode for today Uh, if you want to continue having this conversation You can do it on all of our social media platforms. We're going to continue engaging and asking this question, what does Christian community look like moving forward? Can there be such a thing as a progressive Christian community that looks modern and fresh and vibrant that is inclusive? I think so. You can also continue having this conversation with Rebecca on her Twitter page. You can follow her at Rebecca Marie Jo, and she has a cool blog called Among the Olive Trees. 
That is a really cool domain name. Until next time, this has been the Word of Pod for the people of Pod. Thanks be to Pod.